Welcome to Case by Case. This is a podcast brought to you by Luke Sadkevich and Callum Chain. How are you today, Callum? Very good. I'm looking forward to getting into London Arbitration 2722. As am I. As am I. This is a, a COVID case. I, I thought by now we might stop talking about COVID. What are we? August 2022. But alas, no, uh, we're now actually seeing some of the decisions come through from, you know, back in, what was this, March, April 2020, and what arbitrators think of responsibility for delays caused by COVID infections on board ships. Exactly. These are just coming through the courts and in this case, arbitrations. Now, a couple of weeks ago, maybe three or four weeks ago, in fact, we, we looked at one of the first high court decisions on um, a COVID case, which was a force majeure case. And now we've got a LMAA tribunal decision on COVID off fire. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a bespoke clause dealing with well, I said bespoke, a, 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 a particular clause dealing with influenza and who's responsible for, for delays caused by influenza infections. It's a, it's a clause that you would see in other, other contracts, but not all other contracts. So um, I, think it's, I think it's of interest to, to the wider, wider industry, but it does need to be considered in the context of this particular contract, this particular clause. Absolutely. As, as I, I guess is always the way with off hire, you're looking at the, at the particular event in the context of what's written, but this one even more so because we're, we're quite far from the, the kind of standard clause 15 NYPE off hire wording where we're, we're more into the rider clauses, at least insofar as the, the judge, the, you know, the, the, the ratio of this arbitration award is, is concerned. One thing I would say about this decision is it's actually probably because it's so kind of fact and clause sensitive, there is a lot of detail for an arbitration report in this, in this, you know, uh, yeah, in this London arbitration report. Yeah, more than usual. They've they managed to get up to five pages rather than two. But it, but it, it does give a good account of it. It's not it's not a a summary where you're having to try and plug in some of the gaps or wonder whether this was argued or that was argued. Which we've had that discussion before, haven't we? On some of the other yeah. ones we've looked at. This this it's pretty well laid out actually, and you can see the the facts there, the clauses. The analysis, the expert evidence, uh, the submissions, and then ultimately the 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 findings. So yeah, it's it is laid out like a like a normal kind of court case in a way. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Shall we shall we trip through the facts? Yeah. Do you want to open up on them? Yeah, let's let's do it. So so the this is a, obviously it's an off hire dispute. So charterers are saying that there's no hire payable for a particular period of time because there's a contractual exemption for charterers to pay hire. As with any off hire case, it's for charterers to prove. So against these facts, charterers are seeking to prove it. So there's a charter party which is agreed in March 2020. So we're really in the in the early days of COVID being a massive global issue. I guess March 2020, that was the, the, you know, the month of the first lockdowns, although it had been bubbling away for a number of months before then. I, rem I remember well because I came back from a, a disastrous skiing trip with the family, mm. uh, having everyone gotten sick and <laughs> no one having been tested at that stage because it really hadn't taken off. 
getting back to London and then realizing, hmm, I wonder, you know, whether we actually had some, uh, <laughs> some COVID infection back in France. I sure remember I, that well. It remember? was just after I joined. Yeah, it was about, about six weeks after I'd joined the firm. You, you took the family on holiday and, um, everyone was saying, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's nice that Luke's able to take some holiday and get some downtime because he worked so hard. And then <laughs> all we heard was that you, were, <laughs> you and your family had just been suffering the whole way through it. I don't know if you've managed to put your ski bindings up. I have not even managed to get back to the snow with the family since. Trying to convince uh, others in my family that it's a good idea is proving difficult. Um, anyway, I digress. Sorry, Cal. Keep, keep, keep going. We digress. So we're at, we're in the late 2019-2020 ski season at this stage. Luke's just come back from his abortive ski holiday and the owners and charters enter into a charter party on uh, an amended MYP form. Uh, and that, so this is in March and then in April the vessel arrives at the first load port and is quarantined by the Port Health Authority because there's a positive COVID test that's recorded against the bosun sample. The vessel is then released from quarantine on the 1st of May. At the end of the charter party, there's this balance of account issue around about $300,000 worth of off-hire. So it's certainly worth a fight. There are a couple of interesting points in this. The first is that there was a, an issue in the medical log with the third engineer who showed that he had a dry cough around the, the end of March. On between the 20th and 27th of March, he had a, he had a, he had a, a dry cough. On the 28th of March, this is when the vessel is arriving to the to the load board. It's not quite there yet, but it's received the pre-arrival documents. And the master submits all these documents, including the, the medical log, and he says there's no no ill people on board. The At the request of the port authority, there's then details provided of the historical shore leave, and the last shore leave was, was way back in 2019. And the port had asked for more information regarding the, the third engineer's health. Finally, the vessel arrives, they get to the port on, on the 12th of April, they, they tender at Hawara, they're told that they can berth on the 15th, but then they have, the, the port agents then say that they will only grant free, free practique if all of the crew take COVID tests. And effectively, they say the third engineer has got this problem, uh, he's coughing, so we need to do COVID tests. Everybody on the vessel, including the third engineer, then passes, no, well, test negative, apart from the bosun who tests positive. And he, he, he tests, he, he, te there, there are two tests and I, reading between the lines, I can't remember it that well, but I think that the testing, the testing regimes weren't that great at this time. There, you know, there were, there were, there was a lot more uncertainty in the tests and they weren't particularly refined at this time. Well, this um, was very early. This was, uh, you know, there, there wasn't the going for a 20 minute antigen type test at the airport. This was, exactly. this was early days when they're still working out what tests to be doing. Yeah. So they, so they test the two different types of antibodies, IgM and IgG, and the bosun tests negative for IgG, but positive for IgM, which indicates that there's potentially COVID infection. And because of that positive IgM tests, the, the, the vessel is ordered to quarantine for 14 days. So the, the parties are obviously in dispute. There's some expert evidence. The expert evidence was quite interesting because I didn't sense that the experts actually disagreed on a whole lot. The, the first, you know, the owner's expert said that the delay was unnecessary and the, the testing procedures were, were unreasonable because, well, for, firstly, he says that there was, an un, there was an unnecessary delay 
that, that took place at the port. But secondly, he says that he's, he's pretty clear that this was a, a false positive. He says if, mm. if there was actually an infection on board, then you would have seen it spread to other crew members. They might have, the other crew members would have developed a positive antibody responses. The test would have shown up differently. And the charters expert who, who effectively is trying to say there was a problem with COVID on board the ship said that, you know, he, he doesn't really disagree with that. But what he does say is that in his view, the characterization of the positive test as being a confirmed case of COVID was correct. Not necessarily addressing whether it was a false positive or not, simply saying that at that time, the, the World Health Organization's guidance was if there is a positive IgM test for antibodies, then that's a positive COVID case and it should be treated in that way. So he says the port's acting reasonably in, in putting this delay in, but it's putting in this quarantine period. So then the question is, what's the effect of that? And you know, how, how, how does that interact with the charter party? Yeah. And, and also the owners on the 22nd of April arranged for a PCR test of the bosun and that came up clear, but even still the Port Authority refused to release the vessel from quarantine as they consider that the IgM positive result may still indicate an initial stage of infection. And then there were no other medical assessments done of the rest of the crew prior to the vessel being released. And so then the, the vessel was released on the 1st of May. And so we are debating whether the vessel's off hire or not uh, from that period of 12 April through to 1st of May. And what, what we kind of get into is this, did the delay arise um, by virtue of kind of infections pre this period, um, before the, the vessel came into the loading port, or did the delay arise by virtue of actions taken by the authorities at the time, you know, during this, this period of delay? Yeah. And the, the, the charters obviously tried to argue it under as many clauses as possible. The, mm. the one, the clause, I think that, that most people will be familiar with, um, is obviously clause 15 of the NYP form, which talks, it, that's, this is your classic NYP off hire and it's, it's. I don't think it's amended at all, but it, 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 it reads in the event of loss of time from default or deficiency of men, including strike of officers or, um, and or crew or deficiency of stores, fire, breakdown, damages to hull, machinery, equipment, grounding, detention by average accidents to ship or cargo, dry docking, uh, et cetera, et cetera, or by any other cause preventing the full working of the vessel, the payment of hire shall cease. And the question is, is. Yeah, I guess obviously it's not, it's, it's not one of the, um, it's not one of the clauses, not one of the types of types of events, which is written down here. But the question is whether it, if it falls into that kind of basket of any other cause preventing the full working of the vessel. Exactly. And in addition to that, there's, there was another clause that charters were relying upon clause 78, the pestilence and illness clause. And I won't read it all, but in effect that they were relying on that on the basis that there was extra time or detention for quarantine due to pestilence and illness of the crew. And that should be for the owner's account. Um, so you had two clauses there, which on their face may require, you know, assessments to whether they're engaged or not and, and the meaning, but then there's this third clause, the third clause we referred to in the introduction, which is clause one, one, four, 114. Um, and this would have been a, a rider clause, which dealt with, uh, 
situation of where a vessel loses time in relation to, and I'm paraphrasing, quarantine periods imposed on vessels in order to combat avian influenza or other similar disease, in brackets, influenza procedures, close brackets, and in those cases that the, the vessel shall not be off hire and time shall run against the charterers. So this clause, which was characterized as an influenza clause, the first question or key question was, how does this clause interact with those other two clauses, the, the typical off hire clause and the illness clause? Um, and the decision was that this bespoke clause overrode the other two and that this clause was clearly engaged. And I know, think that's, that, that's quite clear from the start of the, you know, notwithstanding anything in this charge to the contrary, this clause is, you know, clearly intended to overrule anything else. So that makes a lot of sense to me. The only, the only thing that I thought was a shame is that we didn't get any analysis on the standard NYPE clause for off-hire delays. It, it would have been unnecessary because clause 114 overrules it. But I think there's an interesting question there of whether your standard NYPE clause 15 would be triggered by, by a COVID infection and uh, subsequent quarantine. Yeah, exactly. And interesting, isn't it, how often uh, we see that the introductory words to a clause can be quite critical in how it interacts with the rest of the contracts. Here, as you said, we had notwithstanding anything in this, con this charter to the contrary. That withstand sometimes you just have notwithstanding or you know other types of introductory words, and they can have quite significant effects on construction. Yeah, I mean this has the effect of elevating this clause above every everything else in the charter, and it, it's an interesting, it's a very interesting point because you, I mean to me the 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 one of the other clauses I think leaving aside clause fifteen, which which I think is. Um, uh, it would have been difficult, I think, for charters to say they fell within clause fifteen because the the types of the types of event that are that are spoken about in that clause are kind of issues with the vessel, you know, very physical mm. issues with the vessel, and there's no insertion of that word or any other clause whatsoever. You see that word whatsoever sometimes included and is not included here. So this, so I think the scope of clause fifteen is too narrow. But the the other clause, clause seventy eight, actually says the Pretty much the polar opposite of what clause 114 says. Clause 78, <laughs> you know, basically says if there's an issue, a quarantine issue due to illness, then it's for then it's then it's for owner's account. So it's it's a bit of an odd one. Yeah, and if what if you had to read those two together? I, I didn't think of this before jumping on, but in in the hypothetical situation of clause 114 not including those introductory words. Can those two clauses be read together? It's a good question. I hadn't thought of this either. I, my my gut instinct is you would be looking much more narrowly at what is meant by avian flu or other similar disease. Yeah, because because you'd have to be it would it would be it would effectively be a carve out of the clause seventy eight regime where you'd say typically any illness is um, any any quarantine for an illness is for owner's account, unless clause 114 applies. So there must be some narrow category of things which are, there'd there have to be some, some category of illness, which is avian flu or, or similar disease, 
which is narrowly carved out as the general clause for illness. It'd be a slightly odd regime, wouldn't it? It would be an odd regime, but I think you're right. Uh, I think you're right. And there may, there may also be something around what's covered by 78. So it's talking about normal quarantine time and expenses to enter port. And then the second part of any extra time or detention and or expenses for quarantine due to pestilence. Yeah, there might be something around time because it's, it's an, any loss of time clause in clause 14. I just wonder whether there's a, there's a, there's a distinction there in addition to the one that you're making as well. Look, uh, you know, we, we could, we could debate these things that are actually completely irrelevant to the decision, but <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, exactly. yeah you, you, you know us, but uh, look, to, uh, the reason I, I raise it though, is this point is, and it's a key, I th- actually think it's a key takeaway from this decision is how do clauses interact with each other? And do, does one clause override another clause? Do you read them next to each other? Do you try to make sense of them both? Because we all know that these charter parties can, you know, so with the greatest respect to our clients out there, um, end up a bit of a hodgepodge of two counterparties trying to stick in their own clauses in different ways or amend the other party's clauses to to fit with their template or whatever. And you then get these writers that can be a bit all over the place. Sometimes the actual clause itself may be quite clear or clear enough, but then sat aside another clause in the contract, it's it's a bit of a head scratcher. So exactly. the lang- yeah, you know, you, you get the point. Yeah, and I've been, I mean, every now and again, we have people who get in touch having listened to us talk about one of their cases and there's a new perspective that's not clear from the judgment or the, or the, or the arbitration report. So if you're listening to this thinking that we're completely missing the point and the clear and obvious interaction between these two clauses, then please do get in touch. I'd love to know if, if there was a way that these were intended to work together, because it does seem as though they're, they're just conflicting. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, there was also at that time wasn't there there was um there was a lot of confusion uh around maybe it's a little bit early for to see wording in in the charter parties but i can remember at that time looking at contracts that were about to be put into place thinking how do you cover these off and if it had been passed out to external counsel perhaps you know it it may have been a little clearer in this situation but sometimes you've got commercial people who are uh, working these contracts through without lawyers and trying to do their best on covering off certain risks without you know thinking through well how does this clause fit with another clause and i i actually think the avia avian influenza clause is just overhang i i don't think that was a clause deliberately designed to deal with the COVID that was starting to come out. The other clause, I don't know, the, the pestilence and the illness clause, not, not so sure. Yeah, I think that's Probably right. not, probably not. Okay. So yeah, then there was this really interesting kind of causation aspect. Yeah. So, so, so clause 114 puts the, puts all the risk on charters effect. It's as if there's an issue with the uh, avian flu then the vessel's not off fire and any, any loss of time associated with any quarantine for avian flu or some other similar diseases for charter's account. But it says that's the case and there's this carve out where effectively it says, unless the loss of time arise solely as a consequence of the vessel or officer slash crew's history prior to delivery under this charter. So there's this causation question of did, did the was was this caused by something that happened prior to the charter or something afterwards? And what the what the um, what the tribunal were looking at 
in this, you know, what happened prior to delivery was, was this all caused by third engineer having his cough and having these recorded symptoms of a cough? Or was this uh, delay caused instead by the fact that having gone through the process of testing everybody on board, they found a positive COVID case? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, they approached it in, a, in an interesting way by setting up two scenarios. One was the actual scenario, the factual scenario as the tribunal found, and then a hypothetical scenario based on you know, what, what had happened, but you know, transposing it, I suppose, in a way to set up the, the second scenario. And so the first scenario was, we know that the, the third engineer tested negative for both of the, on both of these tests on the 17th of April. And based on the evidence that was before the tribunal, it concluded that he, so the third engineer, was no longer a person of considerable interest to the port authority. And whereas the bosun tested positive uh, for the IAGM test and the port authority suspected him of potentially being infected by COVID. So in the actual scenario that played out this this first scenario for the analysis the tribunal said that the the primary reason for the issuing of the quarantine directive was the positive test of the bosun not because the third engineer had previously shown symptoms of covid in other words it all turned on whether the test was positive or negative that's what triggered the quarantine and so they compared that then with the alternative hypothetical scenario, as they described it, where, where they said that, look, as a matter of fact, they knew that the third engineer was no longer a person of interest after testing negative for antibodies, despite having had those symptoms. And so it concluded that if no one had tested positive, so if, if the crew tested clear that the free critique certification would have been granted at that point in time, at the time when the testing came back clear. And so they said it wasn't what was determinative here or causative wasn't the symptoms that were suffering pre, pre the charter, pre, you know, the loading or what have you. It was the, the positive COVID test of the bosun that happened during this period that brought about the quarantine. And that was something arising during the period, thus triggering clause 114. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's a really good summary of it. It, it. When they looked at causation effectively, they said it was, it, it wasn't really about the third engineer in the end. It was about the, the bosun. I, I can see this one going either way though, to be honest, I, I I think I can see where I can see where the tribunal was coming from, but at the same time, it looked as at least on the facts as though the only reason that there was any particular interest in this vessel was because of the the recorded symptoms of the third engineer. So it's almost as though if it, if it hadn't been for that, for those for those coughs, then maybe put it this way: what, was it the right question that the, the 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 tribunal asked when they said when when the tribunal looked at this through the lens of would it have been different had the Bosun not tested positive. That's one way to look at it, and you you obviously arrive at the answer they did here through that through that question. But the other way of looking at it is: Would things have been different had the third engine the the third engineer never had a cough? And you may have arrived at a different conclusion then. Yeah, would there have been the testing at all? Uh, exactly. I, I I don't know. I don't know whether all vessels were being tested at that point in time, or was it 
the early interest in in the logs and the and the coughing that triggered the whole chain of events. Uh, I think it's a it's a really interesting point. Yeah, um, there was some. The, there's also there's also the the question from a causation perspective as to whether the bosun picked it up from the third engineer, um, and you know the third engineer could have been coughing and ha have the symptoms, and then as we know now, not testing positive at a point in time, but could well have passed it on to the bosun. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's an interesting question, and just going back to your to the first point there, there was something in the facts section where they said, yeah, the port agents advised charters that since the third engineer had been experiencing one of the symptoms of COVID, the port health authority had decided to grant free critique only after birthing and on inspection, confirming that he and the whole crew were healthy. So it kind of suggests that there was a, that, that the symptoms the third engineer had did put the port authority on a chain of inquiry that ultimately led to them taking this test result from the bosun, which if, if the, the expert is correct, the owner's expert is correct, they then took a false positive from the bosun and that's what caused the delay. Yeah. But ultimately this, it all ended up with, it all ended up on, on charters. There was, there was no off hire because clause 114 was very clear that if there was a avian flu or influenza like disease that led to quarantine, then that was a risk that charters had agreed to bear under the contract. And and that was the way that the tribunal went on it. Interesting. Well, look, I think we've, uh, I think we've gone through London arbitration 27 slash 22. Well, another one of the COVID cases, uh, there will come a week, a time when we don't mention the word COVID, hopefully. Uh, but uh, <laughs> until that point, we'll, we'll keep exploring these cases and yeah, they're interesting. I think there's, there's always takeaways. I, I'm, I'm yet to, to hear us talk about a case where we haven't come away with something from the decision. And this is another example of that. Yeah, exactly. Or at least come away from it looking at the looking at the decision in a in a different way than we than we came in. That's part of the fun. That's true. That's true. Thank you very much for listening in. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this one. We'll, we'll be coming to you again next week with uh, another interesting uh, case by case episode. Until then, take care, Callum. Take it easy. See you. Cheers, Luke. Bye.